The Z-Ball Podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast and our preview of the 2019 NBA Conference semifinals matchups. Uh, I know three of the four matchups have already begun. I apologize for being kind of late on that, on this podcast, but that's just kind of the way it is. It's really tricky with between the first and second round, uh, kind of the schedule, some series going on still. So, well. I apologize, but we'll get into all the series, all four. Uh, one still awaiting to be started tomorrow for game one. But nonetheless, joining me on this podcast tonight from Pasadena, California, must be a very happy man today, Celtics fan, Akshay. What up? How you doing, Akshay? Yo, Jishan, what's up, bro? Yeah. I'm doing well, my friend. You know, I, I was kind of shocked at today's game outcome, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I think Celtics are uh, are a different team now than they were, uh, I'd say, a month ago. So, uh, we have to see what happens, dude. It, but it's only one game, so um, there's still put, um, uh, three more to go before you win. So, uh, let's see what happens, you know. Okay, but with that, uh, so we'll we'll start right there with that series uh, in the Eastern Conference, the one-seed Milwaukee against your four-seeded Boston Celtics. Obviously, Boston came out today in Game 1, and really just uh, handled the game, uh, dominated, controlled the game throughout. Uh, Milwaukee made it close a little bit here and there, but Boston was al- always seemed like they would they had an answer to Milwaukee's run and kept pulling away. And then Kyrie looked really good. Uh, Giannis looked kind of shaky on Milwaukee's side. And from the five games that Boston has played so far in the playoffs, it looks like they now have some sort of defined roles within their their team. I mean, obviously Kyrie is the leader, and then you have kind of those other guys kind of building some cohesiveness. So that's good to see for Boston fans. But with that being said, we'll we'll, we'll go with you, Akshay. What do you think about this series? We obviously know who you're picking. Uh, you think it's going to be a sweep? No, no, it's not going to be a sweep. That's too much, bro. Milwaukee's a good, great team. No way it's going to be a sweep. I think Boston takes this in six. Uh, but I don't believe no way this week, bro. I mean, I mean, yeah, Milwaukee's a great team. You know, you have Janice, who's. Uh, I mean, they had a poor shooting night today. You know, that's for sure. They had a poor shooting night. That could be with maybe because they were off for so long. I mean, the Celtics were off for a week as well. So I mean, I don't know if that's that's what it is, but um, I think it's more so the Celtics' defense were just pounding them. You know, and um, I think that's just uh, that's what uh, that's what happens. You have these poor shooting nights, but I expect them to come up better. Game two, um, it's all, especially on the home floor. So, so I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I don't think it's sweet, but uh, I do consider it uh, Celtics and six. Okay, yeah. So, uh, I mean, this is really going to be a tough, gritty series. I think it's going to go the distance, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going with Milwaukee, though the one seed. I'm going to disagree with you. I think, I mean, right. obviously they had a bad bad day today against Boston in game one. D- 
got dominated thoroughly throughout the entire game on both both sides of the ball, defense and offense, and we just had a rough 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 day today. So, but I mean, I think it's just kind of the going from a team like Detroit, which is kind of like a young team up and coming, and they're not really they don't really have a physical defensive type identity to playing a, a, co- a team coached by Brad Stevens, a team that is tough, physical, good defensively, like you said. I think that was a little bit of a change for them. They weren't – they kind of got a little bit of a wake-up wake up call, and I think they'll make some adjustments going into game two, and I think they'll figure it out. But Boston on the other side, obviously, clicking on all cinders uh, in their five games so far, uh, this uh, playoffs, and Kyrie – from missing the playoffs last season with the injury has looked superb, uh, excellent in these first five games. And then obviously Kyrie is probably the best guy on both teams uh, when it comes down to making plays in the pressure type moments and in late game pressure type situations. But I just think Milwaukee, uh, they have a lot of talent. Obviously they have, they're inexperienced for the most part. I, they have some, I mean, a few guys on their bench who have experience. Obviously, Pal Gasol, but he's not going to really be a factor in this series. So it's going to depend on their young guys like Giannis, obviously, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill. So I think they're going to pull it, do what it do what it needs to be done, and they're going to pull it out versus Boston. And it's going to be a very fun seven game series, in my opinion. It's going to go the distance, and I think Giannis will. Sl- will slightly outduel Kyrie in this one and make uh, Milwaukee, in my opinion, move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. All right. I mean, that's fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, uh, I think it's uh, my take is this. It's just uh, I think Giannis has always he's always been Giannis. You know, he's going to score. But what the Celtics should do is they got to limit him. Instead of him going off for 40, have him go off for like 25. You know, then you have a chance. And then you also have to look at them with the Celtics factor is that they have multiple players that can go off. And especially one of the factors, I think, uh, which we be very critical in this series um, is the, the play of Gordon Hayward. I don't know if anybody has anybody seen it, but towards the, end of the, uh, towards the end of the regular season and moving on into the playoffs, his game has picked up. He's like back almost, nine, almost back to where he was when he was in Utah. He's becoming aggressive. And when you're aggressive, that around you, especially Irving, and then you have uh, Irving around, and, and teams have to focus on Kyrie Irving. When this guy come, becomes aggressive, he's another option, and you, you can't leave him alone because he penetrates the ball. That, I mean, that's what to say because he can penetrate the ball, he can drive into the into the lane, and he can dish out passes. So, I mean, that's another option. I mean, and that's another thing that Boston has. And I think if Hayward uh, continues to play at this level of this series, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And I think uh, that's why I that's why I, I have to say Boston wins this series. I mean, yeah. look at it tonight. Hayward had what? Uh, he had 13 points tonight. Uh, 13 points. He had five assists. You know, off the thing, he had, he had five assists, so he's looking to all score and point and, and um, pass the ball to other people who, who can score, who are open. So it's, I mean, that's a, in my mind one of the huge differences in this series, as opposed to what maybe when they played during the regular season. I mean, the playoffs are different, but I mean, 
we have to see what happens. But I, I think with, with Gordon Hayward effect, I think that's uh, that's a huge thing. Okay, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, obviously, I think Boston's advantage in this series, uh, they have more playmakers, in my opinion, than Milwaukee does. Uh, with cut guys like Kyrie, I mean, can playmake Horford, Gordon Hayward. Uh, Tatum can do a little bit, Brown a little bit here and there, but those Brown and Tatum are becoming more so with this team, with the way this team is kind of coming to form, kind of guys who are just a spot-up, off-the-ball type guys. But, I mean, with Milwaukee, I just think the difference for them, I think they have enough shooting, and then defensively, I think they can, they're very long, and I think they can do just enough in this series to squeak out a seven game. Four to three victory, in my opinion, and move on to the conference finals. No, uh, agreed, agreed, dude, uh, agreed. But what Boston does to get to Milwaukee, what they do is Milwaukee's long. That's uh, I, I agree with you there. They're uh, they're a tall team, tall and long team. But what Boston does, Boston plays small. If they play small ball, and that's what helps them get these wins against Milwaukee. And we'll have to see. Obviously, there's going to be more changes to be done. For game two, Boston and Milwaukee are definitely going to make changes. So let's see what happens. But but, it, but it's going to be an interesting series. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you got Boston in six, and I got Milwaukee in seven, and I'm very uh, interested to see some more exciting games uh, in this series coming up uh, with game two uh, starting, uh, starting on Tuesday. But with that, we'll move on to... The second a conference semifinals matchup in the Eastern Conference. Uh, game one of this series has already begun as well. Uh, yesterday in Toronto with Toronto for a change, finally winning a game one as opposed to losing a game one on their home floor uh, with Kawhi Leonard and uh, Pascal Siakam dominating, combining for 74 points and combining as a duo to outscore the entire 76ers starting lineup. So, We'll start with you, Akshay. What do you think in this series? Who comes out on top? What do you think the keys are? Well, I think in this series, I'm going with uh, with the Raptors, bro. I mean, uh, I I know Philly's a good team, but uh, I've always said in other previous podcasts, I think Philly is uh, uh, Philly is, is overrated to, to a certain extent. I think they're overrated, and I think here with the Raptors, Raptors are they can come at you with like multiple players do like you said Paul Seacom he had what 29 points in the first game um, the letter had 45 uh, so I mean that's where I think uh, I think uh, they can get the better of uh, Philly but they have to be consistent I know a uh, letter's going to get his points no, I mean, he has no problem with that if Paul Seacom can get 29 points again then yeah and you know I, I definitely see something but one thing I, I do see is uh, uh, a little notable is, I mean, I guess it make is the bench only had, what, uh, 10 points in that game, in game one, and the rest came from the starters. So I think uh, that could potentially pose a problem. Um, I mean, we have to wait and see, but, uh, I mean, what, Van Fleet had, what, three points, and Ibaka had seven points in game one. So I, I think that has to definitely pick up there. The bench scoring has to pick up to another level. But uh, I do see Toronto taking the series. I, I see them winning in six. Okay, yeah, I mean, Toronto looked absolutely excellent yesterday. I mean, obviously, 
the two main guys scoring, like I just mentioned, were Kawhi and Pascal Siakam. They combined for 74. But the other guys, uh, they're kind of just bring some intangibles to the floor. I mean, Toronto's uh, very good defensively. They have a lot of long guys. I mean, with Siakam, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Serge Ibaka. So, and Marcus All. I mean, they're all disciplined defensively. They're athletic and they can really. Uh, kind of pose problems for opposing offenses and that's really what they did yesterday to Philadelphia I mean who really didn't have an answer I mean they kind of made it a little bit close in the third I think they cut it to I think maybe maybe like six points or something but then Toronto kept pulling away and then it was just too much too much Kawhi too much Siakam but for sure I don't think uh that Kawhi and Pascal Siakam can play like that every game. Obviously, like you said, Kawhi, Kawhi is the big dog. He's a superstar. He's going to have that type of game. I, I'm not expecting that type of performance from Siakam on a consistent basis for sure. 29 points, but he can be – he's definitely one of the most improved players in the league this season, and he's going to continue to play hard, play good defensively. But – on Philly's side, they need to pick it up. I mean, they're stars. Jimmy Butler needs to play better. Embiid needs to play better. Simmons needs to be more aggressive as opposed to what he was in game one. So, And I think throughout the entirety of a seven-game series, I think Philly uh, will do will do better things than they did in game one. And because of that, I'm going to pick Philly. I'm going to disagree with you on this one as well, Akshay, but I think this one is going the distance as well. I think this is going seven, and I, I think Philly's going to win this one in seven. I just I just think Embiid, I, I don't really know who on Toronto can stop Embiid. I think he's got to, he, he's got to impose his will more, uh, and hopefully he can stay healthy. That's kind of the main concern with him when you see, I mean, he's he falls a lot during games, and He's very uh, kind of injury prone. Yeah, well, uh, I think most of the thing, he's just, he's just too, he's too aggressive at points. And I thought of the thing, he, he, he also fakes a lot, bro. <laughs> he's a big, he, he's a big knucklehead, dude. He's always like, every time he gets hit, he's like, uh, he fakes to the floor, like he's getting hurt. Like he's like, he pushed him, started pushing him. <laughs> so I think that's not good either, dude, because that could potentially cause you a serious injury. He was always, he, he was always, get, he was always getting hit on the floor. I mean that's that's the problem with Embiid. Yeah, he's you, and that's the problem with a lot of big guys. I mean, you always worry with injuries when it comes to big guys, and he's no different. So that's kind of the main thing. But I mean, but I think with Simmons, uh, he's got to. I mean, just get other guys involved like Redick and Tobias Harris on the three. I mean, they've got to make somewhere between eight and twelve threes a game, in my opinion to kind of have an effect uh, and kind of be successful in this series. And I think that's something they have. The, they have the guys there to do that with Redick, Tobias Harris, James Ennis, Jimmy Butler. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I mean, that's what I, I'm I'm picking Embiid to, and Simmons to kind of rebound from that game one and kind of play better. And throughout the entirety of a seven-game series, I think Philadelphia, Philly will be the better team and take it in seven, in my opinion. Okay, so with that being said, uh, any more anything else to add for the Eastern Conference side before we move on to the Western Conference uh, series? I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay, you're going f- Toronto in six in that one. I'm going Philly in seven. So 
we'll move on to the Western Conference side of things. Uh, and obviously another matchup that began today, the one seed Golden State Warriors versus the four seeded Rockets. This was uh, definitely the best game of the weekend, in my opinion. And we saw an excellent seven-game series uh, between these two teams last year in the conference finals. They face off in the conference semis this year. And Harden it came down to the end. Uh, questionable call. He might have gotten fouled. But I don't think that kind of garners a foul call at the end. It seemed like kind of incidental contact. And then Chris Paul got hit with a tech. He got ejected. And then the Warriors escaped with a close game one win. But definitely from... <sighs> If game one is any indicator, it seems like it's going to be a very exciting, close matchup and hope to have some more close games like we had in close in game one, excuse me. So, Akshay, what do you think about this series? Uh, are you taking the Warriors? Are you taking the Rockets? And what do you think the Rockets need to do to improve from their game one loss today? Well, in this series is tough, dude. I, I think uh, in this series, I definitely uh, I'm going with the Warriors in seven. I still have them winning the NBA championship this year. Uh, it goes to Golden State, so uh, uh, I haven't said seven yet, but uh, but that call at the end, dude, uh, that was a very controversial call. I think Durant definitely did hit Harden when he saved up. I mean, there was contact when he went up there, and uh, that, I think that should have been called. I mean, there's been the NBA refs. The NBA has been playing very bad. I mean, the refs have been scrutinized in this series in the NBA playoffs and I think there was a, another call I think in, in one of the yesterday's games or something there was a call that uh, uh, they missed and that could be a game potentially flipping to the other side for a win so it's, it's I, I think there's some and I think that needs to improve the NBA needs to, to really look at this at the refs and what's happening but I, I think these calls are I mean it's come to the point where it's like dude it's like what are you doing you know you can clearly see it. It's a mistake, you know. So, so we'll see what happens with that. But, I mean, in this one, I think the Rockets, Chris Paul, has to, I think he's come out and, and play better. I mean, what, he had 17 points tonight tonight? Um, yeah, 17 points tonight, uh, four assists, but then uh, he had a minus seven. So it's like, dude, I, I think you need to uh, score a little more, maybe pass a little, be a little more uh, cautious with what you're doing, you know, I, I mean, it, it's game one, you know, so we'll have to see what happens in the rest of the series, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, I think um, the Rockets have a chance to win this series, they have a chance, but uh, but if they play really well and, and they don't make unforced errors, I really don't know what happened with that technical foul, I mean, you get a technical foul on the coach, technical foul on Chris Paul, it's like, what caused that, I really don't know, but I think it's coming down, it's like I said, with the refs. Something has to be done. It's, it, it, it's going to get worse, you know. But uh, I, I'm still taking the Warriors in seven. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously the the technical fouls. Obviously, they're complaining about the the foul calls. I mean, the, or the lack thereof of foul calls on the Warriors. And I guess there's a lot of buzz on social media about the officiating as well. But uh, it was definitely an exciting game to watch today. But for the Rockets, I mean, obviously, they got pounded on the boards today. They got out-rebounded by 12 uh, rebounds. Uh, for me, I mean, for them, I mean, they have the advantage size-wise when Golden State goes with that Hamptons 5, the death lineup. And Clint Capella needs to make 
more of a bigger impact than six rebounds. And he he needs to be getting easy baskets on offensive rebounds. He needs to be dominating the glass and kind of controlling the paint defensively as well. And then you mentioned Chris Paul. Obviously, he was efficient offensively. But Chris Paul, I mean, I don't think that's really what they're calling on him to do. They're calling on him to kind of be the floor general, control the tempo of the game, be aggressive, uh, facilitating, get a, getting other guys to their spots, getting other guys involved. And I don't think he did that much today. I think he, that needs to improve. And he kind of mentioned that himself, that he needs to be better in game two and moving forward. I so mean, he, he did have five turnovers in this game. So just him himself, five turnovers. So yeah, and that's, that's, that's very uncharacteristic of him. I mean, he's, very, uh, he's a guy that's historically known to be have a good assist to turnover ratio and have very few turnovers so that's something i know he's he's definitely on himself about and it that's something i think he's going to clean up moving forward but i mean just the difference with golden state i mean and the same difference has been durant and i i still don't know why this guy durant faces uh criticism and kind of scrutiny about validating himself as a one of the better players in the league and this year i think uh He's getting close to becoming, or if he hasn't already, the being the best player in the league. I mean, over LeBron, in my opinion. So, I mean, what what's the, kind of this thing that's hovering over Durant where he still has to kind of validate himself? I mean... Well, I, I think it is this, bro. I, I think it is what's happening. is, is the, I think it's his exit from OKC. You know, I think that's still, that's still uh, over his head. And, it, and uh, rightfully, I think... I think it, it should be over his head, you know, because, I mean, he's the one, like I said, uh, he's the one who came out when LeBron joined Miami. He's the one that came out and said he was against with superstar teams. He was against, dude, what is super teams always going to try to, always trying to go for a title, joining teams? He was against it. He made comments. And what does he do? He, he does the same thing, bro. He does the same thing. And it's like, and, and one of the things is like, dude, you lose to the Warriors in the, I think they played in was that um, they played? They lose to the Warriors in the conference finals, right? I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, they was, did. They lost it. They lost yeah, a three-one lead in twenty sixteen. Yeah, then you join the enemy, dude. And then you join the enemy. So, so it's, it's, that's still going to be on his head, bro. I mean, then you join the enemy. I, I understand. You're looking for titles. You're looking for a title. Where the first title, then you're not looking for other titles. But dude, I mean, that just goes against uh, every <laughs> every principle in the book, dude. You know, it's like you know join the enemy, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I think that's going to be um, on his head wherever he goes. You know, I mean, if he chooses to stay in Golden State, if he, go, if he chooses to go to another team in the offseason, I think that's still going to be on his head. And so, I, I think this is where all this is, is coming from. I mean, he is, I mean, obviously, Durant is definitely one of the best players in the league, right now, dude, and I think he should definitely win MVP. I mean, I, I think he should definitely be in the running for MVP. You know, of the league this year, but I mean, will. Uh, but I, I think it's just a, a lot of stuff that goes on with him and like and his, uh, his past history and so on. That's what that's what caused this. And dude, it's like one thing you can do, especially with the media. You can be the greatest player, dude. You can be the greatest player, do all these things. But if the minute you make a mistake or you say something negative, they're gonna be the media's gonna be all over you, dude. They won't forget about it. 
Okay, I mean, that's fine. I mean, he obviously made a decision that you guys aren't happy as his fans, but what does that have to do with him on the basketball court, you evaluating him as a basketball player? Because he's clearly been the difference for Golden State. From the from the minute he stepped foot on on Golden State's floor, he's been the best player, no doubt in my opinion, for Golden State. He is one of the biggest matchup nightmares in all of the NBA, and he still has to face this whole scrutiny of this thing over his head where it, people are still questioning it, his legacy in terms of the overall his overall greatness. It's more so the fans and not the media in this case. I mean, I, I think the fans are, are for some reason aren't giving him the kind of the validation, the respect he deserves in terms of in terms of all time NBA lore. And I think I think that's a big problem. I, I I think this is a changing landscape of the NBA where it's not kind of the '80s or '90s NBA where players mostly stuck to one team and and. Kind of the principles are, are changing as we as we move on as we move on as a society as we move on in the NBA as well. So I think that's. I agree with you, bro. I agree with you there. I, the NBA, the landscape is changing. You know, now it's become the players have more um, personal. I mean, have more power now. Maybe they did back in, the, in 10, 15 years ago. Okay, and that's, uh, that's that's definitely true. But I think what the fan base is also doing it is also because it also has to come down to what the player is saying, dude. You know, what he, the comments he's making. You see what I'm saying? Like I said, he's the one who came out. He's the one who came out and said, you know, uh, when uh, LeBron joined uh, uh, Miami with the big three there, he's, he came out and said, what's all these players? I mean, uh, I don't know the exact code, but he's like, damn, all these, all these guys are, are trying to pull super teams. Uh, say with the team or the draft or something I don't know what whatever he is but he said something and he was sort of known as a good guy in the league bro at that time he had the name of the good guy when once he did this and joined the Warriors it's um, the fan base changed you know and, and unfortunately it's, it's I mean there's nothing you can do about it you know I mean that's okay but can, can we really hold someone to what they're saying like six seven years ago and then I mean I think so. Kyrie Irving I mean told a little kid in Cleveland that he won't leave Cleveland and no, I mean, that's what? a different story, Chris. I agree with you there. I mean, yeah, but I, I think I, I think you have to hold this accountable to a certain extent, bro. You know, because this is what's. I mean, it's because right now, uh, 
way the industry is with the NBA, that's what that's what fans are looking at, unfortunately. You know, maybe some fans, I mean, uh, the majority of fans look at all this and see what's happening, but maybe there's some other fans who don't really care, but unfortunately, it is what it is. You know, I think, uh, best thing for Durant, I think he just has to, he has to live with that, bro, that's it. I think he, uh, he has to live with that. Maybe he, maybe he needs to go back to OKC and win a title uh, <laughs> after the season, and maybe the I got my squash. Uh, I got my squash. All this stuff I was doing, just like uh, LeBron did. After yeah, Miami, he, back, he's not going back to OKC, but well, I mean, we'll yeah, see. What, we'll see what happens. Uh, I wouldn't think he is, but, uh, but like I said, dude, it's just uh, it just it, it is what it is with the fan base, you know, because the fan base um, in the media plays off the fan base to a certain extent. Okay, fair enough. I mean, this is a discussion we can have for a while, but we'll we'll get back in we'll get back into the series. You're you're taking Warriors in six, so in seven. Excuse me, sorry. So, but yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on the Warriors. I think they're gonna win this one in six. I mean, I just think like I like the guy we were just talking about. I just he's just a matchup problem, and he's clicking on all cylinders right now. Uh, he's lighting up this, uh, the Rockets uh, from the three-point land. He's handling handles the ball well, and he can play kind of play center for them in some situations as well uh, defensively when they go small. And he's very long, and he presents a lot of problems both offensively and defensively for Golden State. So I just think he's going to be the difference and <laughs> going to lead Golden State to the conference finals uh, for the fifth straight season. So, And they're going to win in six, in my opinion. All right, so we agree on that one. First one we agree on, but so we'll move on to the last conference semifinals matchup, uh, the second one in the Western Conference. This one hasn't started yet, though. So this one will start tomorrow night from uh, Denver at Pepsi Center. It'll be the Nuggets, the two seed, uh, facing off against the three seed Portland Trailblazers. What do you think for this one? What do you think the keys are, and who do you think wins? Okay, so yeah, I mean, Denver is a team I watch really closely uh, in the first round. I mean, and their inexperience and their youth really showed. I mean, uh, the the Spurs had a really good chance to win that series. They just weren't able to pull through. They had a very tough shooting night in Game 7 and very slow start. That kind of really hindered them. But Denver, I mean, like Charles Barkley says a lot, they're only going to go as far as this certain player. Denver is only going to go as far as Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray take them. So, I mean, on the and on the other side, you have Portland, who, in my opinion, ran into a tough matchup versus Oklahoma City, but in the first round, and uh, distinguished them in five games. And that killer shot by Damian Lillard, uh, in Game Five to send uh, Oklahoma City home, that was just an amazing shot. And I think Damian Lillard, uh, CJ McCollum, and the other Portland guys—they haven't had much playoff success. But those games that they've played, all those sweeps that they've had, uh, 
been on the opposing side of uh that's kind of helped them that's kind of they've gained experience from that they've learned from that they've learned mentally uh they've gotten mentally tougher from that and i think that's really gonna serve well for them in this series against a young inexperienced team in denver i mean they're who their best two best players Jokic and jamal murray they're very talented athletic players but they're just they're still babies they're really young and i think that's really going to be a problem for them in this series against Portland. I think Portland's backcourt is going to really have a big impact. Damian Lillard, I think, is no by far and away the number one guy to go to in those pressure-type situations, late-game situations, and I think he's really calm and cool. And Whereas Jamal Murray, he had some good plays yesterday in, the, in those types of situations. Nikola Jokic didn't really have those type of plays offensively. So I think it's it's going to be a tough series for Denver. So I, I have to go Portland in this one. I like Portland in six in this one uh, as a three, three seed, the road team, but I think they're going to steal a game uh, versus uh, Denver at, on Denver's home court, even though Denver does have the best home record in the NBA this season. I think they're going to be able to take a game in Denver and then – they're going to win all their home games, in my opinion, and take this game, take this series in six, excuse me, and move on to their first conference finals appearance in over 19 years. All right. All right. That's fair enough, dude. Fair enough. Uh, I, I uh, agree with you on those points, you know, but uh, I like to flip the switch here, dude. Um, uh, I like to flip the switch here for a bit, and I like to say one thing about how you mentioned how uh, Joe Kick and Murray are the guys in. Uh, in Denver, who have to pick off their game, they're just scorers, and uh, like you mentioned, other kids around them, and people around them are like kids who need more experience. I, I definitely agree with that, but uh, I think if you look at the trailblazers of the roster, dude, dude, I mean, um, it's like every game, like, a game in Lillard has to score 50 points to win. Uh, I, I don't know, dude, I, I, I just can't see that him scoring consistently over 50, consistently over 40 points during the series. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, look at, at, at game um, seven, or what well, game seven? Well, well in the last game with OKC, their bench only had, what, uh, 12 points, dude. 12 points. That's not going to cut it, dude. Again, especially in, 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 in this series. Their bench needs to definitely pick up their game. You know, I mean, uh, he's not going to score 50 points in this, uh, again. Uh, I mean, he might have scored a few times here and there, but I don't think it's going to be I think uh, the Trailblazers, if they really want, I think C.J. McCollum has to step up his game, and uh, I think um, I think if C.J. McCollum can get a good 20, 20, uh, a good 25 points between 20, 25 a game, and literally can average about maybe about over 30, then they have a great shot. But if literally is going to sit there and have to take again 33 shots a game, and then uh, uh, how would you say, and then I guess I have to get like 50 plus points for them to have them to win. I we don't see. Okay, so I mean, I yeah, that, I mean that's a good point, and I I don't think that's going to be the case where Lillard. I mean, he had, I think he, I don't think he's going to have 50 points in any game in this series. But I think yeah. the role guys, some guys like uh, Rodney Hood, Mo Harkless, obviously CJ McCollum is a secondary guy. Enos Cantor, well, I think. The, well, Rodney Hood in the last game has zero points. Minutes, he had zero points. He, he didn't do anything. He was uh, field goals over two, three points over one. 
Uh, I mean, yes, he, he had rebounds. That's for sure. Yeah, in, in that Game 5 win, Lillard did carry them, literally. I mean, but I, I don't yeah. think that would be the case in this series. And I don't think that was the case in the other games versus OKC. Yeah, so. I, mean, I think if, I think Rose Cantor, um, I think he's pick up his game. And I think uh, if, if C.J. McCollum picks up his game, they have a great shot. In my opinion, they have a great shot. But I think they cannot rely on a Lillard's score uh, above... Uh, yeah, I mean, my my take is just uh, the coaching is negligible in this series. The role players are negligible. To me, it's coming down to the two best players on each team, and I'm gonna go with Portland's backcourt over the young inexperience of Jamal Murray and Jokic. I love those guys as players. I mean, they're very exciting. I mean, Jokic is just a wizard out there. I mean, the way he passes the ball, the way he finds guys, and Jamal Murray is just super athletic. And but I just think the experience of Lillard and McCollum, I think, and the common their mental toughness is going to prevail in this series, in my opinion, and that's why I'm going Portland in six. I agree with you. I just like that. Um, I I'm going with Nuggets. I think because they, I think this is a year to, to to do something. But I also like the fact that they they do have some, um, some veteran leadership there in uh, in Millsap. Because Millsap has been in the playoffs before with you. I mean, with uh, Atlanta and. And so on. So I think he definitely can can bring some experience to these players, uh, which I mean, uh, which can help them. So we have to wait and see, dudes. But it, but it's gonna be interesting. Okay. Yeah, it should be a fun series. I mean, in close match. But I'm going Portland in six. You're going Denver in six. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So with that, I mean, that'll wrap it up for the the series matchups, all the previews for the conference semifinals. But I, as I promised uh, last podcast, uh, we would discuss uh, the careers of Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki. So we'll start with Dirk Nowitzki, Akshay. So kind of take us back to the first time you remember, you can remember watching Dirk Nowitzki in the NBA. I mean, what year and kind of what you thought of him initially? It was way back. It was that good. I don't recall when that was, but it was uh, a long time ago, dude. <laughs> I remember seeing him and, uh, dude, I was amazed by him, you know, uh, the things he could do. I mean, he was not the... Uh, he was not very, uh, I mean, coming out, I didn't see him as one of the most uh, athletic type of players. But then, but he knew how to score. He knew his spots on the, on the, on the floor, dude, where he could score, and he consistently did it. You know, I mean, one thing about him, I definitely have to give him credit to, because it's like, uh, if you look at uh, with Dallas back in the day, it's like, he didn't have much around talent. I mean, he didn't have much talent around him. You know, that, uh, that year they beat the in the finals, that was a great year for them. Dude. I mean, that was—I think that was 2006, I believe. That was 2011. 2006, they lost. Oh, okay, 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 2011. It's like, dude, he didn't have much around it. I mean, later on in the years, some more talent was given, was was there, but I mean, he was the main guy on that team, dude. I mean, I think he did a lot. You know, I, I think he—he uh, was a great player. I mean. Uh, also great off the court. I, mean, I didn't hear any. Uh, I didn't hear. I don't remember if there were any any uh, off the court issues with him. You know, so so definitely he didn't have a negative name on him uh, um, being in the, uh, the league. So definitely, I mean, my hats off to him, dude. I mean, he came in, he was dominant at what he did at the position, and then the duty, and he won. Um, he won one title, right? Won two. Yeah, just right? one. Just one title, dude. So I mean, he definitely um, 
my hat's off to him, dude, for sure. Okay, I mean, Dirk, I mean, for me, the first time I can – he obviously was drafted in 98, and the first two seasons I don't really remember watching him much play. I mean, my kind of first memories of Dirk are in the 2001 playoffs when that was kind of the first time in a while that Dallas had made the playoffs. Uh and that was really kind of for me the first time I remember in my lifetime watching a Dallas team in the playoffs. I mean, they had always kind of been considered kind of like a mediocre team as far as I would watch the NBA up to that point. But then when Cuban uh, came in in 2000 and was took over ownership and then Dirk Nowitzki, it was that 2001 first round series where I really kind of got, got to watch him and kind of see him at first and they knocked off they they upset as the five seed they upset the jazz who at that point still had uh stockton and malone and that was really considered kind of a to me a surprise i i did not think they would beat that jazz team kind of the physicality that and the kind of the slow pace the good defense that that jazz team played with and they were able to knock them off and that was kind of how what put that dallas on the map at, from that point and for that entire decade and kind of gave Nowitzki a name, and that's kind of how, the first time I remember seeing him. And then going on for kind of the next, like, 10, 11 seasons, they were kind of always in the running in the Western Conference, from what I remember. And Dirk, obviously, from their next couple seasons, he kind of had, like, a label because at that time the league was still kind of center-dominant, post-dominant. He kind of had a soft label and – finesse label but if you look at it i mean he was kind of ahead of his time in some way to what you see in today's nba i mean he was a a stretch four stretch five guy playing in a league that was center post dominant and he was succeeding and being one of the best players so that was definitely amazing to see that he was able to do that year in year out uh kind of being mvp contention all the time and then obviously kind of he the for those first couple of years after that 2001 I think they lost in the conference semifinals to San Antonio after beating the Jazz that season then the next couple of years San Antonio was always that thorn in their in their kind of their wayside the Dallas's wayside and then the 2006 conference semifinals uh I don't know if you remember that series where uh Dallas played uh San Antonio they were up 3-1 in that series and then they almost ended up blowing that lead, but Game 7 in San Antonio, Dirk had one of the amazing plays that I remember to send that game to overtime. They were down by three. He hit a kind of like a finger roll and one, and he hit the free throw to send that game to overtime, and Dallas was able to pull through and finally get through San Antonio. And then unfortunately for, for them, they lost a heartbreaking series in the finals to Miami that season. So and then, go ahead. No, 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 no. Uh, I agree with you, bro. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So and then, I mean, obviously, though, that was kind of like if you look at that that series loss, and then the next season when they lost to Golden uh, Golden State as the one seed, those were kind of like the darkest moments of Dirk's career. And then he kind of came back from that, and kind of had. Kind of had like a good experience with their 2011 run. I mean, when he kind of finally broke through and beat that that Heat team, and then he he's kind of even been been on record as saying it that he's lucky that their his Dallas Mavericks were lucky to catch Miami during their first year, and 
that was kind of just amazing to see. I mean, he w- he was definitely the best player on the on the floor. I mean, I- either him or D- Dwayne Wade between both teams that in that series. Obviously, that's kind of LeBron's like black hole in his career. That series, but it was amazing to see Dirk uh, break through in that series, and he was really emotional after that. And then. Me personally, I mean, I actually attended Dirk's last game here in San Antonio versus the Spurs, so it was just uh, really a good a good sight to see him kind of uh, send it off with that uh, kind of one-legged fadeaway, that the patent one-leg fadeaway that he's known for, and send off his career with that, and that was really, really fun to watch. So I guess be- before we move on and talk about Dwayne Wade, a- any other thoughts you have on Dirk Nowitzki? No, dude. I think he was uh, he was uh, he was a great player, and uh, even off the field, uh, maybe he had the innocence here there. But uh, um, I think he was just a, a great player, dude. A great ambassador. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think he. I think he's, he had a career. He had a great career in the league, dude. Okay. So as far as uh, Dirk Nowitzki, uh. I mean, both of the guys we're discussing kind of just like before we get into more detail, to me, they're considered top 20, top 25 players ever. I mean, what, I don't know what kind of sh- opinion you share. I mean, where do you put Dirk on kind of like all-time ranking? What do you think? All-time list, uh, I mean, it, it, it's hard to say, dude, because it's, uh, it's really hard to say, in, in my opinion, because the league has changed. Dude. The league has definitely changed from where it was back in the 80s, back in the 70s, and so on. League has changed. League, in my opinion, league has become more soft. Okay, then the back in the day were, I mean, hitting people and doing all it's like that was allowed. You know, clotheslining and <laughs> think if I have to use that term, but it's it was allowed. And now it's like, dude, it's, uh, if you just really breathe on somebody, you're gonna get a, uh, a call to foul. So I mean, the league has definitely changed it, as far as like, uh, I mean, obviously it changed for for more points more 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 i don't know more scoring and whatever it is but it's uh, but i definitely i do consider them in the top uh, i would say i would say in the top maybe dirk i would definitely say being in the top 30 of all time yes okay all right fair enough so uh i guess with that we'll move on to uh discuss uh the career of Dwayne wade obviously um, he had 16 good seasons, uh, mostly with Miami for the most part, a couple stints with Chicago and Cleveland. So let's go back. Uh, what do you remember the first time when you watched Dwayne Wade? When was it? Uh, what And what, what kind of was your opinion when you first saw him play? You know, honestly, I didn't really see him playing until, like, uh, I didn't really notice him a lot playing until, like, the, uh, what do you call it? The, like, uh, I believe that was more so the... Uh, the 2006 series when okay. they played um, when he was played with uh, Shaq and Alonzo Morning that's when I, I really started to notice him as a player and I think in that 2006 series he was a very good player dude you know I think he was, um, he, was a, he was a great player in his career it's been it's been a great career you know he's been a, a great career and then he got a chance to play with LeBron Chris Bosch won two titles there so it's uh, with he but, but I don't but I don't. Unfortunately, I don't put him in the same uh, in the same uh, boat as uh, Nowitzki, uh, because I think Nowitzki a lot of things he he did it himself, you know, to get that title. I mean, 
limited help around him. I think Wade has the, had the opportunity to have uh, to play with several great players in his career to help him get to that level. I mean, I mean, no knock against that, but I just uh, I don't really put him as high, as high as Nowitzki. And also with Wade, it's like yeah, he was a great player. He did great things, but we also known as as a great dirty player as well. A dirty player. You know, uh, like, well, dirty player, yeah, because he, uh, there was that thing with Rondo and other players where, like, um, like other players had, had broken bones and sort of, I, I don't know, I don't recall all of it, but those are things that come up to mind when I think about it. Yeah, I think the one series with the Celtics, uh, he, he broke, uh, he, he, I think he pushed uh, or something, uh, I don't recall what happened, but Rondo broke it. He got tangled up with Rondo, I think, and then Rondo, I think, dislocated his shoulder, or...? Yeah, dislocated, no, no, it was a wrist. A, a wrist, okay. Wrist or something, yeah. A broken wrist or something, but it, it, those are the things that, that come on in my mind about him, you know, about Dwayne Wade. I mean, granted, the, the one thing that pops out to me is that 2006 final. You know, when he won the finals, and now, I, I was rooting for, for, my, um, uh, for the Heat at that time in that finals, and, and they won. So that, that's the one thing that comes out to me. But then there's also the negatives that also come out as well, dude. It's like those those two titles with LeBron, you know? And just like he... Because I saw him more of like... Those two titles with here. LeBron are, are negative? Because, I mean, I a lot of people say no, no, he was kind no. of instrumental in kind of making that happen. No, no, and... he was instrumental. No, no, no. Uh, you're getting me wrong, dude. He, okay. he was instrumental in those finals. I mean, they won because they had a great team. Nothing gets that, but I think... When he came into the league, his more of uh, his attitude was more of like uh, uh, the nice guy attitude. In 2006, he didn't have. But then when, once LeBron came, I think I think that ego started to develop for him. You know, and that's where I that's what I'm, I'm talking about. That ego, and I think that ego was maybe, maybe, dude. When he was in the league, he started in that title. I think he was. I don't think he had an ego. I think yeah, uh, from what I recall, maybe uh, listening to his. Um, is like after the game uh, interviews and all that. I I didn't see any ego there, but when when that happened, I mean this is my opinion. When when he joined forces with LeBron and Rich Bosh, and then I think oh ego came out there about him. So I mean, in my mind, he's a great player, or definitely. But uh, um, yeah, do I see him at the same level as Nowitzki? No, I don't. I have Nowitzki higher than him. Okay, that's fair. I mean, yeah, with Dwayne, obviously. I think first couple of years he didn't really have an ego, and then uh, I think after that, I mean, as he became kind of more, uh, kind of a more of a pedigree in the NBA after he won that title, I think that's kind of when that ego developed. I think it was way before LeBron. <laughs> I don't think LeBron is the one that brought that ego out. I think that kind of came out with with the kind of success he had. You know, when he got to play with them, and it's like, dude, I still remember when they first. Introduced uh, the Heat with their, uh, their big three. They were saying, "No, we're not just going to win one title. We're going to win two. We're going to three. We're going to four, five, six. And it kept on going and going. And dude, you only won two titles, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think he's been on record saying that they kind of regret some of the things they said. He said he they don't regret the party, but they kind of regret some of the things they said. Uh, obviously. I think every NBA player kind of uh, most NBA superstars have egos. I mean, they're most the guys without egos are very few. I mean, maybe 
Dirk Nowitzki, Dirk, Tim Duncan. Those are kind of like the few that come to my mind. But I mean, but the greatest player ever by most people, Michael Jordan, had probably one of the biggest egos ever. So I don't oh, think, yeah, of course, of course. I don't think you can yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he did have an ego. Yes, he did. Because at that time, he was the best player, and honestly, no one comes even close to him. I mean, you do. He's like you play in the league, and then for two years you take a hiatus to go play in Major League Baseball, and you come back and you still win a title. Or. Or if he won more titles when he came back. I, I don't recall, but that's just amazing, dude. Yeah, I mean, but without getting too much off topic, uh, so yeah, yeah. kind of going back to Dwayne Wade, uh, obviously the first time I kind of remember him was when he was in college, his, his last season in college when he was playing with Marquette. And he had that the run in the tournament where he took Marquette to the Final Four. Obviously they got blown up by Kansas in the final four game but that was kind of the first time i saw him play and he, he was just spectacular to watch i mean super raw athletic uh seemed like he he was carrying his team getting other players involved he could handle the ball play make well and then and then when he came in the nba his rookie season obviously going into that rookie season he was probably third fourth best player on the team i mean at that time, uh, Miami's best players were probably Karan Butler and Lamar Odom, and then probably Brian Grant as well. And then all those players got shipped for Shaq after his rookie season. But uh, kind of going into the playoffs in his rookie season, I think he kind of emerged as the best player on the Heat. And then even in the playoffs, he kind of showed that and in their series win versus uh, the Hornets. And then playing Indiana in the second round. They took that Indiana team, which I think was the one seed that season in 2004, to six games. And I think he was the he ended the season as the best player on that Heat team. And then they acquired Shaq uh, in that, that trade with the Lakers. And then they became one of, the, one of the best teams in the East for the next two and a half seasons, two and a half, three seasons. So, I mean, with that, I mean, Obviously, Shaq, no doubt, the first the first season they played together was the best player on the team, and he was, I think, a runner-up for MVP behind Steve Nash. And then Wade, I think that from that first season to the second season, he had, like, a big jump in his scoring average. I think he went from, like, 16 to, like, 24. And then from that season tw- up until, I think, maybe 2010, 2011 season, like, I think he averaged, I think, over 24 each of those seasons at least. And then obviously the 2005 season, the first season him and Shaq were together, came to kind of disappointing end. He, he sustained an injury versus uh, Detroit in the conference finals. And I think that's kind of what caused them to lose that series in seven versus Detroit. But they were able to come, come back the following season. The following season, the second season, they were both together, him and Shaq. And I think that season, no doubt in my mind, Dwayne Wade was the best player on the team. And even better even better than Shaq, for sure. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, definitely. At that time, Shaq was still in his... Uh, it was in his... Uh, how would I say? Uh, he had futures left in the league at that time. Yeah, at that, at that time, it was probably like the tail end of his prime. And, tail end of his prime, correct. Yeah, he was... At that time, Shaq, Shaq was uh, 34, mid-30s, something like that. So... And Dwayne Wade, I mean, had what probably, in my opinion, is from what I've seen in my lifetime, probably one of the best final series I've ever seen. 
I mean, maybe maybe some of those LeBron series comes close, but I, Jordan obviously had some good series. I don't really remember watching the Jordan series in the early 90s that he had, where he, I think he averaged 41 against the Suns or something like that. But in my, in my opinion, probably the two best final series I've I've seen played are probably by LeBron in 2016 and Dwayne Wade in 2006. So I mean, I mean that was just kind of a joy to watch. Obviously that that series, I mean, kind of uh, kind of over mirrors kind of what we were talking about. We we're talking about guys Nowitzki and Wade who kind of. Uh, weren't really rivals they played different positions but their careers kind of intersected at at key points in both of their careers obviously that was kind of the low point of Dirk Nowitzki's career and then when Nowitzki won the title in 2011 that was kind of like uh in Wade's career what was kind of like a turning point a little bit kind of a changing of a guard changing of a role him kind of taking a step back and letting LeBron be the superstar on that team in a city that kind of he ruled at that time and was kind of at, on his way to becoming the greatest athlete in Miami history. So so that was kind of interesting to see. I mean, but after that first title, Wade uh, kind of had some rough years, a few injuries. Uh, but 08-09, that's probably kind of uh, his best season individually, in my opinion. I think he averaged like 30 points, five rebounds, seven and a half assists a game. I think he was top three in MVP voting that season. But obviously, he, he wasn't surrounded by a good supporting cast. I mean, his teammates were not very potent at that at that point. So they lost in seven games to the Atlanta Hawks in that 0-9 first-round series. But then, then came the kind of the, the decision in 2010 from LeBron and Chris Bosh joining him as teammates. And then... I sincerely hope that Durant doesn't doesn't pull the same shit, dude, <laughs> as 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 uh, as, uh, as uh, LeBron did this year with the with the with the commercial and all that nonsense, dude. Well, if if Durant does a decision to Boston, will you will you still be mad? No, I'm not really mad, but I just think I don't want to see that. I mean, just just come out and make the decision. Don't don't have this like Saturday night special, dude. Oh well, I mean, obviously the decision uh, that was kind of something pushed on. I think LeBron by ESPN, and then everyone kind of just says says it's a big ego move, but no one talks about the fact that it raised three hundred thousand dollars for a boys and girls club in Connecticut. So, so there's money there, dude. Oh yeah, NBA gives back money all the time, dude. It's professional sports for schools and all. They give back a lot of money. That's for sure. So I think can can we get over the decision? I mean, if that's kind of the worst thing we can say about LeBron and his career, I think we're really kind of reaching. So it's like, dude, it's like a a, a sixty minute special, you know? There's <laughs> like some controversy happening. Like it should have been on sixty minutes, dude. A sixty minute special, but everyone watched it, right? So yeah, everyone watched it, dude. No, but I it's mean, just like too much, bro. You know, I uh, I seriously don't hope. I seriously hope that's not the case. <laughs> Okay, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, obviously, going back to Dwayne Wade, that, that was kind of like a pivotal moment in his career because uh, he kind of stepped back. And, in my opinion, he kind of was robbed of a first-team all-NBA selection that first season with Miami because kind of just playing alongside LeBron and Chris Bosh, other stars, that kind of 
kind of removes you from some consideration. They don't give you as much benefit of the doubt when it comes to those type of awards. And he was kind of robbed, and he kind of had to take a, a step back in his role, kind of sacrifice a little, sacrifice some shot attempts, and kind of kind of sacrifice the flair because LeBron, no doubt, was the best player on the Heat team for that for all the, the entirety of those four seasons. So. So that was kind of just kind of like a, but he obviously was able to add two more titles and bring his uh, title total up to, for his career up to three w- during the, that four year stint. So, so it served him well in some aspects, and he was kind of uh, the second best player on a very probably one of the historic uh, win streaks in all NBA history when they won twenty seven straight in twenty thirteen. So. And I've I've said it to this day, like to a lot of people. What my one biggest regret? I mean, obviously, those are my two favorite players, Dwayne Wade and LeBron. My probably my biggest regret as an NBA fan is not going to see a game when those guys played together in person. And I, I, that's probably my biggest regret as an NBA fan. So, yeah, I agree. but I mean, so I guess going back to Dwayne Wade. Uh, where do you what do you where do you have him all time and what where do you think kind of his legacy is in terms of shooting guards? I mean, of all time, shooting guards he's definitely one of the um, one of the best shooting guards in this era of uh, basketball. Uh, but I uh, all time as a player, I don't see him. Uh, I, I I can definitely put him in the uh, I guess in the um, in the top uh, thirty, maybe a little lower end thirty. Okay. Uh, that's pretty much it. Okay, so um, yeah, obviously Dwayne Wade. I think he would have been much higher in my rankings if he were. I think the big problem with him was kind of his durability. He right. kind of sustained a few injuries here and there. I think that kind of hindered him from kind of having like the prolonged kind of like success that we saw from other shooting guards like like Jordan and uh, Kobe. So I think that's kind of the difference and. For me, uh, both of these guys, Nowitzki and Wade, they're kind of both to me high teens, low twenties. But I think I think the Nowitzki is slightly higher in my opinion. Just the overall body of work, the durability, the longevity, kind of him is longer than it is for Wade. And I just think he has a, one MVP. Wade didn't get one. I just think kind of his entire body of work, from points, rebounds, all that stuff, compared with Wade's, is just slightly better. So if I had to put a number on it, I'd probably say Nowitzki's probably like 18, 17. And if, if I had to go with Wade, I'd probably say like 20, 19, something like that. So it's really close in my opinion. But I think that's just really what held held Wade, Wade back excuse me, from being kind of one of the top 10, top 15 guys. Kind of the durability and it's kind of his injury history. And if he had more success or more luck with that I think he would be there and I think he would be able to play a few more seasons as well so but I mean with that I mean he was just an excellent player to watch I mean one of the best defensive guards I mean I've ever seen one of the best shot blocking guards I've ever seen and I mean just kind of a guy who's at 6'4 really played uh bigger than he his height and kind of weight really was I mean he was kind of played like a reckless style so it was just really fun to watch him play, and but I mean, just like I said, I, if he had longer durability, I think he would be up there and 
kind of be higher in the rankings, but because of that, he's lower. But on the overall shooting guard list, I think he's probably third best. And it it depends kind of how you define uh, Jerry West as a point guard or a shooting guard. I define him more as a point guard. That's why I'm going to put Wade number three behind uh, Jordan and Kobe. So I think he's third best shooting guard ever and probably 19th, 20th best player ever. So I guess with that, with that, Akshay, uh, we have to bring your Celtics into this conversation. So your your buddy Paul Pierce claims he's better than Dwayne Wade. So what what's up with Paul Pierce always starting fake debates and uh, stuff? What what's your thoughts on that? Honestly, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the hell that guy's smoking, dude. Uh, I don't know what he's smoking. I mean, we'll see. I mean, yes, he obviously has. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I I just think he's. Uh, Paul Pierce definitely has, uh, um, I mean, Paul Pierce is a warrior, dude. I'll, I'll put it this way. Oh, he's a warrior on and off the field. Okay, I'm talking, I'm, and I'm emphasizing off the field. Okay, because what he's done, what he's gone through, what he's been through, you know, what, growing up, dude, I mean, to make it this way, what he did is, it's, I would think it's, I would think it's, I mean, he definitely, I mean, he definitely did a lot. You know, I mean, as far as like, dude, being raised in L.A., uh, being raised uh, on the streets of what uh, forget where he was, but Inglewood. I think he was, Inglewood, yeah. And then yet, I, I think he was a blood or something. I was a Crips blood thing. I don't call well, but I, I remember he, he grew up in that neighborhood. And then even as a as a player, of Celtics game, he's in a bar and he gets stabbed like eleven times, bro. And he comes see, he still plays that season, even after being stabbed eleven times. In a bar. I mean, you have to give it to the guy. The guy's been there. The guy's done that. You know. I mean, but I mean, sometimes I guess I do agree. He opens his mouth and says stupid shit. You know. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm just saying that uh, as as far as his uh, as far as his uh, um, his uh, uh, what he's done, it's like uh, I think uh, I think he's he, I think he's earned that. Uh, I think, in my opinion, he's earned that uh, that right to say this shit. Maybe he needs to think before he says something. But I think people have understand. I mean, I, I mean, he has a right to say what he has to say. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, that's not really a debate, so I don't really don't want to discuss it. I mean, obviously, Paul yeah, Pierce. I, I, honestly, I don't want to discuss it either. To be honest. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, with that being said. Uh, Wish uh, Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki both the best in retirement. It was it was an absolute blast watching both of them on the court and wish them the best in their retirement lives. But I guess with yeah yeah, and it seems like ESPN and uh, TNT are both going after him as an analyst. So we'll see uh, how that goes. But I guess with that, Akshay, anything else to add on on NBA front? That's pretty much it, bro. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Akshay. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, dude. Oh, thank you for having me. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, hope you enjoy all the four conference semifinal matchups, and I'll be back in about two weeks to discuss the conference final matchups.